Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Last Sunday, we began a series called Waymaker, and we spent the day highlighting God's faithfulness and power to come to the rescue for his people. His people were trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, and God came when it was certain that they were to be destroyed. God came and made a way, part of the waters, so that his people could walk on dry land, and he showed himself be the one who is the way maker. This series kind of is built on the idea of God is the one who makes a way. God says that about, uh, that about himself in Isaiah 43. He says, I'm the one who makes a way. I am the one who makes a way. And so today, we're going to continue that on. And we're moving on from the Red Sea. We're moving to the climactic, the biggest story of God as our way maker. The biggest point in all of scripture as God as our way maker. And it is this. Jesus is our way maker. God has made a way for us who are trapped in sin, certain to be destroyed. And God has made a way to not just part waters, but to bring an end to sin and its power through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. This morning, we are going to look closely once again at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to lean in and remember in a fresh way today that God has been faithful and that God has shown his power that when we were helpless, when we were hopeless, when we were stuck, just as much as the people of Israel were stuck, God, in the similar dramatic, in similar overwhelming, in similar, oh my goodness, is this actually happening ways as it was with the Red Sea. In similar ways, God has said, watch this. I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And we want to honor and celebrate and glorify the name of Jesus who has made the way for us. You see, for a long time, we were stuck and trapped and helpless in the consequences of our sins, certain to be destroyed because sin had brought an effect on our lives. And all of us are participants in that. All of us in this room have sinned against God. And I want to remind us this morning, up on your screen, of the things that sin had done to us, the ways that the condition that sin left us in. It, it first of all, left, left us guilty of violating God's law. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us in this room have sinned against him. We have violated God's preferences, God's instructions, God's rules, God's law, God's word. God revealed the word to the world. And he said, this is what I want. This is the way I want you to live. These are the things I want you to run after. These are the things I want you to run away from. On this way, there is life and joy and blessing. And over here, there is consequence and death and regret. Don't go this way. Go this way. And all of us have chosen to sin. Some way, shape, or form, sometime or another, all of us have found ourselves violating God's law, and therefore we are guilty of sin in our lives. So what does that mean? That means that we are then enemies of God. 
The Bible says in Colossians 1.21, it calls us enemies of God before we know Christ, that we are separated from him. Often you hear the term of someone who is not a Christian as someone who is lost. And it doesn't mean that they're simply misplaced. It means they are stuck out, separated without hope. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word lost. I sometimes think of that sound you hear when you just heard your phone slide between your car seat and the console. You know what I'm talking about? Oh man, I may never find that phone again. Or it's going to take me 30 minutes and I'm going to have to get on my back, on my stomach and turn around and move that seat up as far as I, I got to find this thing. It's going to take me a while. You may be thinking of lost is I know I've seen that in the last year. It's at my house somewhere. I know I've seen that option. It's in a box. It's on a shelf. I know I've seen it. And that just brings about a seven-hour search all around the house where you discover things you hadn't seen in 10 years. Lost isn't about misplaced. Lost isn't I just can't find it or lost isn't. This is going to be a challenge to dig this out. Lost for us means we were enemies of God and we made ourselves enemies. You and I chose. Can you believe it? To walk away to the, from the one who said, these are the ways that lead to life. You and I chose to say, I hear what you're saying, God, but I choose this other thing. You and I were the ones who chose to say, I know what your word says, but I want what I want. We're separated from God. Lost. Lost. Sin also brought a third consequence into our lives, the fact that we were then objects of deserved wrath. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about how, like everyone else in the world who has sinned, we were by nature objects of wrath. That word objects there, it doesn't mean that you were a thing of wrath, but it means that you were in his sights for wrath to be poured out on you. He had you in his scope. He had you in his sights. He has marked you for wrath. This is what you deserve. This is what you've brought on for yourself. This is what you have earned for yourself. You and I were, before Jesus, we were objects of wrath. Set out, separated, enemies of God, lost, guilty, and marked for destruction. We were destined for eternal death. Destined for eternal death is verified there in Romans 6.23. This idea that the wages of sin is death for all eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin, the wage, what you will receive for what you've given. You've given sin, here's what you're going to receive, death. You, you're going to be paid something for your choices, and it's going to be eternal death. And just in case you were wondering, hell is a very real place, and real people go there every day. It is a principle taught in God's word, and it is not the cruelty of God. It is a deserved death. For we thumbed our nose at the creator and we said no thank you to the one who was leading us to life. And we've said, I don't care what you say to the one who made all things. We've gone our own way. 
Sin left us in this condition, trapped and guilty and enemies of God and in the crosshairs of his wrath that is coming. And his wrath is coming, by the way. Someday, God is going to settle up with the world and he is going to bring judgment on the earth. And that is not a word of doom and gloom. That is just what the Bible teaches. There is coming a day. And just like the people of Israel trapped, certain to be destroyed. In the middle of all that, God has made a way. Best verse we can look at this morning in all of this is in John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says of himself, I am the way. I am the way. How do we get out of the guilt? Jesus says, I am the way. How do you get yourself out of being an enemy of God? I am the way. How do I get myself from being lost and separated from God? I am the way, says Jesus. How do I change my destiny from eternal deserved death to eternal undeserved life? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. And the truth and the life, Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. A way is a road or a path. If you want eternal life in heaven, if you want to be forgiven of your past, if you want to be clean on the inside, if you want to finally belong instead of being isolated, if you want to be near to God and be the child of God and to be able to know him as your father, if you want the Holy Spirit of God to live in your life, if you want to be made new, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus. And that's not restrictive, that's not limiting. Oh, you mean there's only one way to do it? No, no, it is the kindness of God. Can we all wrap our hearts, souls, and minds around the truth? None of us deserve to be saved. He didn't owe it to us. But Jesus came as the love gift of God for filthy, wicked, disobedient, guilty enemies. Jesus says to all the people looking for a way, I'm the way. The way maker has sent the way. I am the way maker for you. In the Old Testament in Exodus we looked at last week, God parted the waters and the wind blew all night and dried up the land so that the people of Israel could cross with all of their animals and carts and, and families and they wouldn't have to slog through the mug. But God made this beautiful detailed way that they could walk across on dry land and then he swallowed up their enemy. And in Jesus, God has made a way for you to be saved by putting your faith in Jesus and walking in Jesus. And in doing so, he has swallowed up our enemy, which is sin. 
Jesus says, I'm the way. If you need a way, if you're looking for a way, if you're hopeful for a way, if you were afraid there was no way, if you thought you've sinned so much and you can't be saved, if you thought you've, you've sinned so hard you can't be forgiven, if you thought you've been so inconsistent there is no way that you could have a relationship with God, if you think I'm so dirty, I'm so stained, I'm so full of shame and so full of regret, Jesus goes, I'm the way. I'm the way. And you can't bear what needs to be brought upon me for you to be forgiven, but I can bear it. And Jesus, in the greatest act of love and sacrifice the world has ever known, he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross as a lamb on an altar. And Jesus hung there and died. And there on the cross, God poured out all the wrath and judgment and punishment that you and I deserved. And he poured it on the one who could bear it. And Jesus took your judgment. Jesus took your wrath. See, God never just said, oh, sin's not important. Never mind. God never just never did wave it off. He never did say, oh, oh, you've sinned. Oh, let's just forget about that and move on. Nope. Sin was fully dealt with on the cross. And Jesus took on himself what you and I could not endure. And Jesus paid for your sins and my sins, and he paid them in full. Meaning there is nothing else you owe God for your sins. And that's a big struggle for a lot of us, even some of us in the room who are Christians, and we have been Christians for days or weeks or months or years or decades. We still struggle with this. I think I need to make up for that, or I think I need to fix that, or I think I need to do some good to outweigh the bad. I, need, I feel like I owe God for sin. Nope, paid in full. Jesus says, it is finished. And the Bible tells us that he is the once for all sacrifice for sin. So the lamb on the altar was the final, last sacrifice for sin. And Jesus, the pure blood of the Son of God, was spilt. And God accepted that as payment for your filthiness and for mine. So no longer is there a need for sacrifices. Hallelujah. It's finished. It's completed. It's paid in to the full. Jesus said, if you need a way, if you're looking for a way to be right with God, to know God, how is that even possible? Jesus says, I am the way. Not just a way, I am the way. For no one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, I want us to spend a couple of minutes here looking at some theology together, the meat of what has happened for us in Jesus making a way. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 5. We're going to look at Romans 5, verses 6 to 10. Romans 5, 6 through 10. Open your Bibles as a book or on your app or wherever you've got it. If you don't own a Bible that's easy to read, by the way, we would love to bless you. It's our gift to you, a Bible. That'd be yours to keep. If you'll stop by the information desk, a little starting point center in the lobby on your way out, and say, hey, I, can I have one of the Bibles? They'll take care of you, and that'll be yours, our gift to you. So we want to make sure anybody who wants a Bible uh, gets a Bible. Romans chapter 5. I love this passage, by the way. This is one that marked me and grabbed my heart when I was a teenager and hasn't let go. It's one that keeps blowing me away uh, over and over and over again. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, 
at just the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Time out. Did you catch the power in verses Seven and eight, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Can you imagine the scenario where someone is saying, hey, I, I've been, uh, been caught, I did something wrong, and I've been sentenced to die. Hey, would you take my place and die for me? You, you chuckled because you're like, uh, uh, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Very rarely would someone die for a righteous person, especially if you came and you said, I, I, I haven't done wrong. I am a righteous person. I do all the right things. You know me. We, you know that I'm a good man. You know that I'm a good woman. You know that I am a good person. You know that there is good in me. You know that this is terrible. Would you mind dying for me? I even think Paul might be stretching it there a, a little bit where he says, very rarely, uh, come on, Paul, ever? Very rarely will someone die for a good person, for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And then here's the juxtaposition. But God demonstrates his own lust for us. We weren't good. We weren't righteous. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Jesus is our way maker. I want to go back to verse 6. and Read this passage one more time. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? I want to unpack this this morning and point out to each of us, you and I need to keep remembering these things. I want to point out some things to us about the ways that Jesus is our wake maker. Because the fact that Jesus died for sin, the fact that he died for your sin and my sin and paid our guilt and God was satisfied in that and a way has been made for us to have forgiveness, that, that's not elementary. That's not something to move on from. That's not something to learn in third grade and then forget about it. We need to keep being reminded of this each and every day. We need to preach the gospel to our soul every day. Here's the good news. You are not saved by your works. You are saved because of his work. And every day we need to be reminded of that. I didn't deserve it. I was an enemy and I was guilty. There was no question. Every day I need to be reminded of that. 
Someone might possibly die for a righteous person. Probably not Paul. But God demonstrated his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I need that every day. The love of God is bottomless. And it is outrageous. It's overwhelming. Because he did not look at us and find us worthy. In fact, it was the opposite. He chose us in our wickedness. Whoa. Not only is Jesus our way, he's amazing in his love for us. God loves you. No matter what your life looks like, what it used to look like, God loves you. And he gave his son for you. So I want to unpack Romans 5, 6 to 10 with us for the rest of our time together this morning. I want to give you these five truths that are uh, coming out of that passage with us. Number one, we were powerless to make our own way. We were powerless to make our own way. This is at the right time while we were still powerless. Another translation you might have said helpless. <laughs> you cannot be your own way maker. You cannot try hard enough. You cannot scrub enough. You cannot try to uh, outdo or cancel out bad with good. There is no way to be your own way maker. We were powerless to do anything. We were in the grip of sin. Sin was the master of our lives. Sin was the leader of our lives. Sin was the Lord and manager of our lives. There was no way. We were powerless. But God sent Jesus to be our way maker. Number two, God loved us even in our filthy rebellion and disobedience. God loved us in our filthy rebellion and disobedience. And so you may be thinking this morning, I I've sinned too much. There's no way that I could be forgiven of my sins. Our forgiveness is not based on our behavior. It is based on God's kindness shown to us through the sacrifices of his son on the cross. God raised him from the dead and he now looks at you and at me and he says if we will believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross and if we'll follow him as our Lord, him as our master, him as our manager, him as our leader, him as our king, then we can be saved no matter what you've done no matter what your past. Next Sunday, we're gonna finish up the Waymaker series with one of, my, uh, one of the most powerful stories in the New Testament of someone who was radically saved by God, not just out of a life of doing bad things, but out of a life of trying to crush Christianity. No one has sinned too much that they cannot be forgiven. No one has sinned so much or disregarded God or lied or cheated or had abortions or was in, unfaithful to their spouse. No one has sinned so much that you cannot be made clean because we're powerless to clean ourselves. It's the love of God that sent Jesus to make us clean from the inside out. It's God's love. 
When Jesus hung on the cross and he was dying, the book of Luke tells us that there were two criminals being crucified at the same time. There was one on either side of him, one to his left and one to his right, and one of them was just mocking Jesus. Go, so, well, if he's really the Messiah, if he's really the Son of God, if he's really the King of the Jews, let him save himself. But the other one was like, look, can't you see this man has no guilt in him? And he looked at Jesus while he was dying, guilty for being a criminal. We don't know what his crime was, but guilty on the cross. And he looks over at Jesus and just with these little humble words, these little small words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was expressing faith in Jesus and they're hanging on the cross, dying for his crimes. He had no time to go to church. He had no time to read a Bible. He had no time to try to do good deeds. It wasn't about that. It was faith in what Jesus was doing in that moment. And Jesus looked back at him from his cross and he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. There is no one too far gone. There's never too late. It is not too late for you to look at Jesus this morning and in humble words to say, Jesus, I want to be a part of your kingdom. And I've been a screw-up in my life, and I have disobeyed you hard. But would you forgive my sins? Thank you for dying in my place. It's never too late for anyone. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. That's why the gospel means good news. Got some good news? There's no way. We're stuck. Waymaker. <laughs> I am fired up about that. There's no way. It's hopeless. We're stuck. We are trapped. It's, it, we are doomed. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. That is who you are. And every day the word tell, world tells you that you are not loved, you are loved by God. The cross needs to remind you every day. Every day the world will tell you, you got to work hard to be impressive enough to matter to people. Nope, I, I don't have to do anything. God has shown that I matter to him, and I didn't have to work for it. I just had to believe in Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that we are not saved by our own efforts. We are saved by the kindness, the undeserved mercy of our loving God who gave his son for a bunch of rebels. Number three, Jesus died to make a way for us to be justified to be right with God. And that's where Paul says there in verse nine, he says, since now we have been justified by his blood. The word justified is a legal term. It is a pronouncement. It is a declaration where you are right with God. Justified means that it has been pronounced over your life, not based on your track record, not based on your behaviors, not based on your knowledge of the Bible, not based on any of those things, but based on his blood. God says, you're righteous. You're, you and I are right. I, I look at you and I find you acceptable. 
I don't see you as filthy. I don't see you as guilty. I look at you and I pronounce you not guilty. God has put the righteousness of Christ on each of us who has believed. We've been justified. And that's why we don't fear standing before God. Because when we go before God who is the judge, he will not look at us and evaluate whether or not we deserve to go to heaven. He will look upon us and he sees the righteousness of Christ. And by the way, that won't be news to God. He won't have to look at you. He won't have to look up your name in a book or on a database. God knows you right now. He knows you and he sees your life. He knows what's true about your soul right now. Do you know what's true about your soul right now? Have you been pronounced by God as not guilty? Have you been pronounced by God as right with him? The only way to do that is through Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through him. It doesn't matter if your mom and dad know Jesus. It doesn't matter if your grandmother knows Jesus. It doesn't matter if your best friend knows Jesus. It doesn't, none of those things matter. Every single one of us must be pronounced not guilty or we are still guilty. When Jesus died on the cross, everybody wasn't just instantly saved. Jesus was the way maker. The people of Israel still had to walk across the sea and you and I still need to step forward in faith to say I believe in what Jesus has done. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of yourselves. Jesus died to make a way for us to be right with God. Some of you in the room, you struggle because you think God merely tolerates you. But he loves you fully and freely. And when God looks at you, he doesn't shake his head and think you're a disappointment or an embarrassment. God doesn't look at you and go, oh, I got all these people in Tennessee and they're my problem child. <laughs> yes, God parents you perfectly and God will deal with us about the sins in our lives and God will challenge us and lead us and shepherd us and be a perfect father to each of us. Yes, yes, and yes. But when God looks at you, he does not see a failure. He does not see inconsistency. He does not see the filth of your habits and your sins. When God looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus. Because God has given that to you. He has declared, the judge has declared this legal term, the blood of Christ has justified you by faith. But you got to believe. Have you believed in Jesus? Number four, verse nine also tells us that Jesus is our way to be saved from God's coming wrath. God's coming wrath. In verse nine, we read there that how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? God is coming back. God is coming to judge the world. God is coming 
to end the age of grace. The age of grace is the one we're in right now where there's an opportunity for us to hear about Jesus and hear what he has done and those who will respond to Jesus and receive him and believe in him and follow him as the Lord and leader of our lives. That opportunity exists right now until God comes back. But when God comes back, the end of age of grace will be done and the opportunity will be closed. And at that moment, God will settle up with all those who have believed in Jesus and will usher them into everlasting life in heaven. And God will deal with those who have not believed in Jesus and he will usher them into everlasting destruction. So the opportunity is here. God's wrath is coming. God judging the world is coming. The opportunity is open. Jesus is our way to be saved from God's coming wrath. Think about the people of Israel trapped between Egypt and the sea and God made a way for them to escape the certain destruction. Think about another Bible story Noah and his giant boat, called an ark. God brought judgment onto the world, but he provided an ark for Noah and his family. And he says, if you enter this ark, judgment's gonna come, but you're gonna ride through the judgment. That Red Sea provision is a way of looking ahead at Christ who is coming. That ark that was provided is a way of looking ahead at Christ who is coming because God has looked at each of us and said, judgment upon the earth is coming, but if you will enter into Jesus, you will ride through the judgment. And it's the only way. It's the only way. God has made a way through the coming wrath and judgment. Number five. Last one. Jesus is our way to reconcile our relationship with God. Verse 10, Paul alludes to the resurrection of Jesus because Jesus is not still dead. God flexed his power and God raised Jesus from the dead, forever defeating death and sin and hell. 1 Corinthians 15 exclaims, death, where's your sting? <laughs> the sting of death has been taken out. Hallelujah. Death is not the end for those who believe in Christ. Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his Life. Think about the word reconciliation for a minute. What come, comes into your head when you think of being reconciled with someone? There was somebody you had an offense that had an offense against you or you against them. There was some ways you were crossways or there was a conflict or there was a disagreement or you weren't talking or you were kind of estranged or you weren't a part of their life, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden you're reconciled. You're brought back into this peace-filled, harmonious, close relationship. You are brought back. It's a relational word. Reconciled means you're made right and everything that stood between you has been taken away and now you can be together and enjoy each other. And that's what it means that Jesus has been our way maker to be reconciled with God. 
You are no longer, if you've believed in Jesus, you are no longer God's enemy. You are his son or his daughter. If you've believed in Jesus, you are no longer his enemy. You are his friend. And everything that was between you, that estranged you from him, that separated you from him, that caused the conflict with him, that put you in as marked for destruction, all of that by Jesus has been taken away. And now you have the opportunity to believe in Jesus and be reconciled to God, to enjoy You see, being a Christian isn't just about getting your name on the right list so you can go to heaven when you croak. Being a Christian is also about enjoying God forever, yes, but also right now. And God gave Jesus so that no matter how many days you spend on this earth, you can walk with God and enjoy God and know the peace of God and the life of God coming into your life. God has made a way for you to be full on the inside knowing him as your father, doing away with worry and anxiety, doing away with fear, because your God's never gonna let you go. He has been our way maker to reconcile us. If you believe in Jesus, you can be reconciled and enjoy him now, and we can enjoy him a few pages from here in Romans chapter 10 Paul's very explicit and in verse 9 of chapter 10 he says if you declare with your mouth you know what Jesus is the Lord not just the teacher not just a good guy, not just a person with some wise sayings, not just the subject of Christmas, not just the, the, the subject of churches, but Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. Come to save the world. Come to save me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, not just your brain, but in your heart, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from what trapped you, from what threatened you, from what put you in the crosshairs of wrath, from what marked you for certain destruction. You will be saved from sin, and you will be saved from your guilt. For it is with your heart, Paul writes, that you believe and you are justified. There's that word again, that legal pronouncement of being right with God. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth, with your life, that you profess your faith and are saved. See, being saved, being a Christian happens by faith. It's not that we understand it all. We all have it all figured it out. It's not that we can see it all with our eyes. None of you, none of us in this room have ever walked physically with Jesus or met Jesus. It is a relationship by faith. We weren't there on the hill when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, our sacrificial lamb. We weren't there. It's by faith. So look at those two verses one more time. If you, God's speaking to you this morning. You're not here by accident. God's speaking to you. If you 
declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Friends, each and every one of us, before we become Christians, we are trapped and helpless because of sin, certain to be destroyed. God loves you so much, he has made a way for you to be forgiven and set free, reconciled with him for now and for all eternity. You need only to believe and follow him. Have you done that? Have you believed in Jesus and said, I I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he's the Lord. And with your mouth, have you confessed that? Have you confessed that? Your faith, I believe he is. I believe in what he's done. And I want to follow. If you haven't, you need to do that today. God has made a way for you.